Good afternoon or evening or morning, whatever time it is for you that you're watching this. It's uh, 10.06 on January. What's the date today? 3rd p.m. Thursday. And just got done watching The Orville. It's the type of thing that's like a, it's like a Pixar movie. I'm walk away and feel somewhat in a good mood. Pixar movies always put me in a good mood. But, um, you know, also the Orville started to do that, too. Makes me smile and laugh, even though it's kind of some weird fucked up shit that happens on it and everything. But, in any case, um, yeah, kind of uh, trying to... Well, boy, I'm at a loss for words tonight. What do you talk about when you don't have much of anything to talk about? I mean, Watch Dogs 2. Fucking loving it. You know, I've been playing the hell out of it. It's really, it has been fun, you know, playing that game. Some of the creative concepts and everything. I uh, just got done making a comment to a whole bunch of people and everything about some of the concepts I've learned. And uh, I've been referring to and regarding, regarding games, um, not just as a game, but because of the complexity involved. I mean, for all intents and purposes, these worlds, you know, they, they have like a Watch Dogs 2 and Grand Theft Auto and, you know, several other games in the same genre or type area. Whether or not it's like Red Dead Redemption, I mean, Rockstar does a phenomenal job in creating entire worlds. You know, each one of these has, you know, different patterns, different behaviors, whether or not it's the way characters react to you and the artificial intelligence, you know, the, um, even though it's not artificial intelligence per se, it's still behaviors and behavioral patterns that react to people and and my stimulus in certain particular ways and everything. And in 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 a Rockstar game, it's 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 typically one way. In a game such as Watch Dogs 2, it's a different way, you know. And, and here's how profound it could be, you know. Like GTA, most of the most of the drivers in this world are pretty good. You know, um, in Watch Dogs 2, you could sit on a corner and you can watch car accidents happening all the fucking time. And uh, not only that, you know, one guy runs through an intersection and takes out two people in the intersection. It's just like, wow. You know, um, but that's the funny thing is if you, uh, what I've been doing lately is actually studying these worlds as, um, these games as worlds, you know, as alternate realities. These, you know, for all intents and purposes are, you know, in a literal sense, depicting an alternate perspective, an alternate way of looking at the world. Um, well, one is, is San Andr is based on uh, San Francisco. That's Watch Dogs 2. The other one, uh, GTA, you know, is based on a version of Los Angeles, and I'm doing a, a, the conversion everything to convert it to a version of Los Angeles. But, you know, it's still, you know, it, it almost seems like if you pay attention to the real world, you can see... Um, you know, the question is, it's just like, I, I really do, I question the Big Bang as a process. You know, so let's say that the Big Bang is real. You know, they call it a theory and everything. And let's say we all started from basically a, or I shouldn't say all, 
let's say everything started from a big bang. There was one simple blip and, you know, something happened and a zero turned to one and all of a sudden you have the creation of everything. You know, but if you think about this from a linear process, you know, from just basically, you know, the, the concepts of, of non-existence, of absolute nothingness, of you know, of the absence of everything. So concepts and ideas such as light and magnetism and sound and energy and waveforms and tables and, and lamps and televisions and cars, all of that, it, it doesn't even exist yet. So the question is, how can all that come to an existence? I mean, and for me, this is something I really pondered for years and among the reasons I started looking into culture. Well, I think video games gives... Um, sufficient enough evidence and everything to show one possible path that everything came to get here. You know, so if you take the origins of a, of a video game, you know, and you start off with the zeros and ones of simple digital information and everything, those zeros and ones eventually transform into something, you know, from binary, you know, true-false conditions and everything. Um, those true-false conditions eventually get into the creation of hexadecimal, of machine language, you know, of assembly language, of C++, of... of um, you know, fourth generation languages such as Visual Basic and Python and, you know, keeps on going from there to ultimately make it so where we as humans can actually communicate and at that point, um, you know, start the process and, and expand the process by basically taking these things and, and growing them you know, modeling, you know, the movement and, pa and patterns of traffic and everything, you know, based on the observations that we see in reality, you know, and modeling that in a, in a world, you know, and, and creating those traffic patterns. Now, here's the interesting thing that I've found, you know, is that there's a, um, that there's a correlation of the mind. The mind itself is, is essentially timeless, and if we're actually developing the, the things that we, per that we perceive, um, there's some simultane simultaneity to the, to the origin of this information to begin with. And, and being specific about it, um, if I see something and I create the code, you know, in a computer simulation in order to, um, in order to simulate that, that in effect is responsible for creating that stimulus in the outside world and simultaneously putting it there, thus creating a loop, a feedback loop of reality. You know, so the question is, if you had never thought of it, thought of it would, would, the, would that have been there to begin with? And the answer is, I suspect no. You know, without the thought, you know, um, and this is this is what we do with time. It's my belief that because of the simultaneity of an idea coming to conception and actually altering history and, and thus our perceptions and what we see in the real world, it completely rewrites history as we go. You know, so we believe, you know, th that the origin of something was always there. You know, that's what we're taught to believe in. You know, and then all of a sudden you start seeing, you know, some evidence that maybe it's not necessarily as straightforward as that, you know. Um, I had a restaurant that I used to go to, and, uh, well, I, I can't say I used to go to, that I saw several times, called Chuck Box, when I was going to ASU. 
And um, I had, you know, when I was, it was like 1987, 1988, when I ended up uh, going up there um, uh, uh, to Tempe from Glendale, Arizona, when ASU and the whole Tempe area and everything was still you know, kind of rural, you know, um, there was a lot of things that hadn't been built up in that area and everything, you know, and in particular, what was hard to find was restaurants and everything, but when I ended up moving to that campus and everything in 1993, which is about six years later from the first time that I'd gone there, and I'd gone there consecutively for about a year, while well, I was in the end of high school and just after, just after graduation, um, there was a restaurant called Chuckbox, and Chuckbox had the sign prominently featured outside. Let me see if I can actually find it. Chuckbox in Tempe, AZ. Closed now. Um, the official site. So let me see if they have their history about the Chuckbox. So. Um, Yeah, so the checkbox, delicious mouth-watering burgers and great spokesperson have been made for over 35 years. You know, so on the, uh, let's, so let's do the math here. 35, 2018, minus 30, you know, 35. It's been more than that. Um, how has checkbox been in Tempe? Chuckbox history. Okay, here's ten things that you don't know about Chuckbox. Let's see. So 38 years, that's what they say. 1980. No. So this is 2018, 2010. Okay, they don't list it, but I think the uh, sign, let me uh, see if the sign has it. Checkbox, search images. Uh, image doesn't have it. Hmm, weird. <clears throat> it's interesting because before um, the image of the, or the checkbox, used to say at the bottom of it, um, bottom of the sign, since 1965. I remember that because it confused the fuck out of me. You know, it's just like, I remember driving through, you know, the Tempe area and everything, and I would constantly be, you know, I would constantly look at that and go, you know... It's just so weird. I mean, it looks older, you know, um, with the way that they presented things and everything. But I'll be damned, I just don't remember that being there back in 1988 and 89 when I ended up going there all the time. You know, so, and, and yet they've said, they've said that they've been there since 1965. <coughs> well, I hate it when I do that. <coughs> so... Anyways, so if you put 38 years, so it says 38 years prior to 2010 on the internet. So that's going back to 1990, 1980, 1972 now. 
So now on the internet, it seems like the claimed date of a, or the date that it that it states is 1972. Now the sign itself has been altered. It now says over 278 sold, and you can actually see that it's a new a newer part of the sign. So it did replace out the 1965, you know, from before. Now here's the thing. I, it was one of the first times that I really started questioning time, you know, and really were the things I was seeing, you know, um, really, I mean, 1965, if, if they claim they've been around since 1965, well, sure, it gives the restaurant a little precedence and everything, you know, but, and not only that, but it also makes it you know, seem a little bit more respectable from a business perspective if you've been around and, you know, particularly to students that are first coming around, it's just like, hey, let's go to this old school, you know, checkbox restaurant and everything. It's been around for a long time, you know, and eh, I mean, but uh, that's the whole thing. It's just like, you know, I looked at that and it's just like, okay, you know, was there a possibility that that 1965 was a lie? You know, just because I had never seen the restaurant before, and I had driven by there dozens of times when I was younger. Well, now that I have the capability to create a video game, the cool thing is, you know, this is set in the year 2020. Every day, I'm working on this. And I can get in there, and I can change the model of a restaurant or something like that. And since I'm targeting the year 2020, I can also change, you know, and add in a brand new building. I might be able to make it appear more aged. I can put up a sign and I can say since 1945 on there to basically make it appear like it's been a, a staple of that, um, of that particular you know, particular section of town and everything for that long of a time. I can do all this by simply, simply manipulating the RPF, the data files, you know, um, of, of Grand Theft Auto. So, in any case, I'm playing these games, and I'm just paying attention to, you know, to everything, you know, to the fact that, you know, as it's giving me different perspectives, particularly from a marketing perspective too, how easily marketers could manipulate, you know, the mind of a person by basically claiming something's been around for a lot longer than it has. You know, they, they, they have something called four P's in marketing. Four P's of marketing. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. So they call it price, product, promotion, and place. So the price point itself is something that, uh, you know, this this is something they refer to as the marketing mix in market. You know, so when you're actually being sold something, this is the the central focus of of how something is brought to consumer. So the price is obvious. The price point has to reach an equilibrium and everything that's based on how much people are. It, it, the whole goal is to optimize the amount of profit that you make, you know, based on, you know, supply and demand of the product and boosting that up. Well, that's where product comes in. You have to have the right product for it. Now, promotion, a part of the promotion is is this 
this point, you know, this whole point is, you know, creating um, something, an image of something that appears like it's been there for a lot longer than it really has in some cases. That's a part of promotion um, is basically, and that's a part of building credibility, you know, so credibility is, you know, for a restaurant that's only been around, you know, for six months time or something like that, it's hard to get new customers, you know, but if people believe it's been around for a longer time, particularly a transient community like a college community and everything where people come and go every two, every four years there, you know, so those people that are really going to question whether or not something has been there as long as it is, just doesn't happen as long as much. You know, so what happens is you get a new, completely new people in, you know, and you might have a few professors that actually might explain, you know, the facade and everything, you know, but in a general sense, most people are going to blow it off. It's just like, ah, this professor has, you know, blown smoke up her ass. And eventually the professor gets to the point where they just don't explain it anymore. You know, they they start saying, hey, you know, it's just like, huh, it's not worth worth explaining to the, you know to the people the fact that checkbox claims it's been there since 1965 when it's only was only built in 1990. You know, it's just not worth it. So, and not only that, but the burgers are decent. So, what's the whole purpose? If they, you know, if, if checkbox believes they need to build up their credibility and everything by manipulating the date and time of of their presence and everything, well, them knock themselves out, you know, um, I mean, all the power to them, you know, now, so that's, a, that's all a part of promotion and everything, you know, but from a programming perspective, you know, it's, it's a little bit different, if I'm actually building, you know, a world, you know, here, and uh, a part of building this world is, is starting to think about historical precedents of events that are, that are happening in there. And also, um, you know, drawing, drawing the picture of history. So that's why I wrote out that entire history. Now, let's say this deviant reality is based on a tangent point that happened in my reality and everything. Well, right now, I've got people that act in, in a particular fashion. You know, the AI is actually pretty good. In a general sense, drivers drive correctly and, and do things. But since I've been adding this imagery, I have certainly been noticing, you know, some weird things happening with traffic that I hadn't seen before. Well, I'm still at the point where I don't know if it's just me observing it and watching it more. Um, that the, this was always happening. I don't know. You know, that's the problem. You know, so as I'm starting to make more and more image changes and everything, particularly on sunset, I'm noticing that people are driving a little bit weirder. Um, for instance, just yesterday, I ended up uh, seeing some dude. Now, mind you, this is in a um, you can't really call it a simulated world anymore. It's in an alternate reality. You know, the alternate reality used to be the Grand Theft Auto game, but because I've observed it, modified it, um, changed it, played with it so much and everything, given it so much time and attention, it in itself is becoming a real world. And with this, I'm starting to notice deviations in some of the patterns of the people and, and the processes within this as well. So, yeah, just yesterday, it was just when a weird event happened where I ended up uh, seeing somebody that parked literally right in the middle of the street. 
um, there's a two, uh, three, no, it's five lanes going down Sunset, and uh, they they pulled into the median, which you never see in this game. Um, the median is an island; it's a green island and everything. Um, they pulled, no, they didn't. Yeah, they did actually. That's where it was. And uh, they pulled right into the into the middle of the island, and they just stood there staring down the road. I mean, they got out of their car and they just literally this they, they sat there and stared down the road. Now I've never seen this happen before, you know. And it's it just it's interesting because this is like literally right where they did it was right in front of the image that I have. It's basically there's a hardcore comic store. I should have taken image uh, pictures of it, cause I, but I didn't. And it's right in front of the girl that's hitchhiking, that uh, she's completely butt-ass naked. Now, it's that's where it happened, you know? And it's just like, okay, that's kind of bizarre. And um, another one had gotten out of their car and everything off to the right-hand side of the road, and uh, they just started walking. You know, it's just I didn't see them. I didn't see any of this. I just saw the saw the car left over afterwards. But the one that was in the middle of the road, that's what I saw. And I'm just like, okay, this is kind of weird. This is kind of funky. I'm I'm seeing what I, what uh, what artificial intelligence people refer to as emergent behavior, the development of real intelligence. It's actually starting to come, and this intelligence is actually burgeoning, being created in this world itself. Now, I had previously thought as a programmer that um, that programming is what's responsible for creating intelligence. You know that um, that that real real life comes from programming. Um, I shouldn't say that. That that that's one path of intelligence coming coming about. You know, but uh, I've been paying more and more attention to machine learning and um you know, concepts of artificial intelligence, and I've got a friend, Stanley, that, uh, you know, he sent me some links and everything for, you know, so for some machine learning stuff and everything. I've just been realizing, it's just like, what is going on with the machine learning community is something that I dealt with about 20 years ago. You know, um, now, I didn't call it, label it machine learning at that point. You know, I didn't really have labels for it. You know, we didn't have labels for it. This is what we did in corporate systems. You know, we created this in in the worlds, you know, in the, in the corporate systems that we interacted with on a, that we you know dealt with on a regular basis. You know, so sure, it may have labels now. Sure, they may have you know different terms and everything and use and everything. But to be honest, um, all this stuff I've done before. And what I'm seeing in these games deviates from the traditional approach, um, and that's actually all part of the approach of programming, it deviates from the traditional approach of programming. And uh, how it does it is just a reaction is priceless. You know, you see somebody that pulls off into the, into the island right in the middle of the street, just to, you know, I assume, just to look at the, you know, clearly sexual and nude um, billboards that are appearing all over the city. Now think about that, about this from their perspective. Let's say you're whatever city you're in. You're in, the, you're in whatever city you're in. Uh, it's quiet in a general sense. Um, you know, billboards are always the same. You're seeing, you know, Coke and Sprite ads or 
Dr. Pepper and you're seeing ads for perfume and, you know, um, cars and watches and jewelry and, you know, all these other things. You know, and well, sure, some of it's risque. You know, you see guess at or, you know, something showing a fragrance or something like that. You know, but in a general sense, it's really kind of the same old shit all the time. You know, sure, you might get a glimpse of a of an ass crack here and there or something like that, or somebody covering their boobs and, you know, their their body in a demure pose saying, this is sexy, yada, 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 all this other bullshit and everything. You know, but in a general sense, it's underwhelming, right? You know, yeah, you, we're still, in a general sense, or at least I am, utterly desensitized to it all. For me, I just don't give a shit about it. You know, that's what advertising is right now, you know? Um, it's, I'm well past the point of thinking any ad's clever. I'm well past the point of thinking that they're really doing anything innovative with ad work or anything like that. You know, um, there's nothing, there's nothing that really has the propensity to grab me. You know, and I don't think I'm that much different than most people that are over 35 years old. You know, so let's say you're that 35, 40 plus person that's gotten really, really fucking bored of traditional media's approach to attempting to sell things and the whole marketing and sales gimmicks that are used to try to grab your attention. We've all caught on. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that's actually caught on to a company claiming that they've been around since 1960, you know, when is the first time that you've seen them? <coughs> I mean, you have to be a moron not to actually catch and question at least one of them, you know, and it's okay if you're a moron, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying you're a bad person or anything like that, you know, but the simple fact of the matter is, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of manipulation, subversive manipulation to get people's attention that doesn't, that uh, leverages, uh, what's the best word for this? Total lies. <laughs> I mean, you know, claiming that you've been around since 1965, you know, when, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, especially as a business in a real world and everything, you know, claiming that you've been around since 1965, even if, I mean, especially if you haven't, that's, I mean, if you're using that to sell your burgers, you know, sell your software or something like that, I mean, personally, I don't think it's right. You know, and with Chuckbox, the truth is, I'm going to admit this, I think I ate there one time. Maybe not even that. I can't remember eating there. I mean, I vaguely remember maybe having tried it one time, but I don't think I ever really ate there. So that's the whole thing. You know, if, um, if subconsciously we are, or I am, taught to reject things that are a complete fabrication, you know, that claim to be something that they're, you know, that they're really clearly not, 
I don't know. But in that, in this case here, it's just like, you know, um, I wish I had tried it. I'll be the first to admit it. And, um, but it's also given me a new perspective for, uh, for Grand Theft Auto. You know, as I'm creating and shaping and altering and increasing, you know, the history and, you know, the potential possibilities for this world and everything, there's a, uh, um, I've been thinking about movies from the past. Now, here's the thing. We have um, a tangent that happened in our reality versus their reality. The tangent point is... What the heck? Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, the tangent point is um, at about the time Deep Throat was released, where the numbers uh, for the success of that film in their reality... Um, was being was made public in our reality it wasn't and with that said that being released fundamentally altered their reality you know to be more sexual to be more um open and liberal and you know nudities being something that's public and everything just the release of the numbers the 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 overall success of, you know, of that movie is what caused the deviation in this reality. So, this begs the question, did this ultimately, you know, respond? Did reality actually cause me to come into existence? To start shaping this world? To start... You know, to give this world, to breathe the world, life into this world, because of that split decision, to be honest versus dishonest, for that, that one single point and everything. Who knows? But uh, in any case, as I'm building this history for this world... Hold on a second, I'm going to spill my tea a little bit. I'm... I'm giving a lot of thought to the uh, to the overall um, history deviation and what landmarks and what things I can create in this world, you know, that are going to make it appear um, to have the age that it that uh, you know the age and the history um, historical evidence that this world has been consistent this entire time. Now, here's the problem with, with, um, GTA as it stands. There's no history. It's like taking a, an image, a snapshot of a place and then superimposing, um, an in-the-moment idea and concept, um, without actually breathing life into it by giving it history. History, oddly enough, to me, is actually what gives something life. So, it's, you know, so basically the idea and concept was, look, we're going to have a world that is going to be a lot like Earth. You know, I mean, I could see the developers going through this whole process. You know, but, you know, it's a little bit more accepting of violence and everything. And, you know, we're going to have people that are going to be shooting each other. Um, we're going to have constantly the FBI is going to be hunting people and everything. And here's the thing. If you die, you wake up in a hospital. You know, so you're basically a clone. They don't really tell you that, you know, but you're cloned and your clone wakes up and everything and your clone is saved through your smartphone and that's actually how you recover yourself. So, in any case, um, that's the whole concept, you know, boom. And at that point, they create media based on this, 
you know, so now for me, I'm going to trace this history back and I'm going to basically say, okay, strip all the media, you know, that whole gun battles, cloning and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to start presenting some of this technology as being public and everything. And I'm going to take it a little step further. I'm going to start drawing lines between this point in time, 2020 over to 1974. And there's a wonderful theater. It's called the full moon film theater retro club classics on eclipse is the title to the place and they've got um four five six seven different movie posters that of old movies that are actually on here well i've already selected two um behind the green door is going to be one and the other one's going to be deep throat and um you know the whole thing is it's just like i want to show um what would be considered highly influential films, you know, for this city and world um, that have affected the psyche of this thing since 1973. Now, with this, I'm going to have two two staples, you know, Deep Throat and, uh, and Behind the Green Door. Those are going to be two, two big movies. Now, because I don't want this to appear like um, our equivalent of, a, of an adult porn film place and everything, um, I'm going to have some other films in there too, you know, and uh, basically take a couple films from our reality and create a bridge um, version of it over there. So one of the films that I had in mind was uh, the movie called Last Action Hero. Um, and uh, I'm actually, it's not, not that, but in that movie, a uh, boy gets drawn into a world where he's actually inside of a film, and inside that film, he's with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who plays the, the last action hero. Well, in that universe, he sees a poster that says St Syl Sylvester Stallone is the Terminator. You know, and I'm going to pay homage to that. I'm, I'm trying to find a movie poster that actually has Sylvester Stallone as the Terminator. You know, because in my world, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the Terminator. Now, what I want to do is present this other world where Sylvester Stallone is the Terminator. You know, where you see the poster that, uh, that, that was actually in the uh, video shop and everything, and the boy actually made a comment, a comment about it. You know, so that's actually one poster I want to have. So just basically say, hey, this is where it traces to. You know, we can actually find out this is the world it belongs to and everything. So that's one one concept. And Terminator itself has been impactful both in their world and our world. That's the whole goal. You know, it's just basically to create a, you know, Terminator itself for me is easily one of the best movies of all time. So the way I look at it is it's just like, hey, you know, create this and, and give homage to it. So that's one of the movie posters. So that's three down. Now, I've been trying to think of other movies that um, aren't necessarily violent like that, you know, because this the city will have some history in violence, and, uh, and you know, how that's going to occur, um, I haven't really given much consideration of the 19, um, 1970s and the 1980s, because there will be some turmoil um, that will be as a direct result of the sexual revolution. And what I'm going to try and do is take the events of the current time and date, you know, basically this guy running and, and doing all those things. Ah, you know what? Talking about it loud, out loud's helping.
the Godfather. That can also be one of the other influential movies. How I'm going to piece it together is I'm not too sure yet. But basically, the uh, the whole concept is, um, you know, it got to the point where, you know, violence itself, people were paid protection money. You know, that's a, that's a potential concept. But anyways, um, the movie idea is The Godfather. So maybe that, uh, that actually shows where things came from and everything. Um, that's one possibility. But I've got I'm trying to think of other movies where I can take an existing version over. My jacket's driving me fucking crazy. I can take an existing movie. I can alter a movie poster. And in preference, it's going to be a high-profile movie. And I can take an existing movie uh, concept and idea, and I can sexualize it and make it appear not just maybe more risque or more sexual in nature than it would be in, in our reality. So that's actually what I'm trying to think of right now, is I've got four movie posters to make um, based on retro concepts and ideas. And uh, what I'm trying to do is is show through seven movie posters the progression of this society historically in seven movie image photos. Now, all of them are preferably before the year 2000, even more preferably before the year 1990. So what I'm going to be doing is covering the historical period from 1974 to 1990 and trying to think, you know, hey, um, We've got an alternate reality version of Terminator. We've got um, Deep Throat, and we've got The Green Door, which are playing at this movie theater. Um, now, what other powerful movies do we have? So, I'm going to actually go to a list real quick. And I've been finding talking out loud's really been kind of helping me, so that's actually it's a good thing I'm on this topic. Top 100 movies of all time. So, 100 best movies of all time chosen by actors. So, Godfather's in there. Number two. So, I'm looking after 1974. <laughs> Boogie Nights, 1997. Um, I'm gonna talk this out loud. The Shining, 1980. I'm thinking of a couple now, E.T. and Poltergeist. They've got Pulp Fiction and Gladiator in there. I'm trying to think of something that would actually pour it over to this world. And, and if I was to actually make a, a more sexual, or take something that has elements of something I enjoy, but sexualize it, which one would that be? And Terminator 1 comes to mind, and I can also go straight to Terminator 3. If I was to actually sexualize Terminator 3, you know what, that's what I can do. Take Christiana Loken. Christiana Loken. So instead of sending Terminator robots from the future, 
they send sexual robots back from the future, and they decide they're going to conquer through sexuality. Now, what we see in our reality is one that has been stripped stripped of emotion. So it didn't quite function the way it was supposed to. But, in their reality, they see the sexual version of it, where it in itself is much like a porn, much like a deep throat or something like that. Instead, it's featuring Terminator robots. So Terminator 1, the Sylvester Stallone one, and then Terminator 3, the Karstana Loken one, which didn't do so well in my reality, but I loved it because it had her in it, and she was gorgeous. Instead, she sent back in time to conquer the human race by conquering the males and uh, appealing to their sex, sexuality. So the Skynet in the future determines that conquering males directly through conquest, through physical conquest, is impossible. So instead, it sends a female back to seduce the leaders and uh, instead take over through uh, through passive means. And that's actually why uh, why they send her back in time. So, that's what I'm going to need. So I'm going to put this down. Things. And... Thing. To-do. Where's my to-do list? To do retro movie posters. So I'm going to need Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, this is kind of cool. Terminator. And then Christiana Logan Sex Terminator. So that's two. I need seven. Need seven. Now I'm also going to need a green door behind the green door. See, that's cool because it'll show the progression of that world. So the first thing that deviates is the selection of the movie star. And then two episodes later, for whatever undescribed reason, at that point they end up discovering that Christiana Loken in a yeah, so that's what they did. No matter what happens in the second second episode, they go back, and the second the second Terminator installment can be exactly the same. Maybe they use somebody. Maybe they decide to go with Arnold Schwarzenegger for the second one. But by the time the third one comes, you know, Terminators realize, hey, they can't win against the humans when they go back in time. You know, particularly when they're coming across as males, because the males will always win the fight. But, if we send a female back, and that's where the third third season, or the third version comes from. So, behind the green door, and... 
So that's the other thing I'm trying to do is make sure because I want to have influential films for me and these deep throat and behind the green door are pertinent to the storyline. They're not really influential to me, but they're pertinent to the storyline. And Terminator 1 and 3 are highly pertinent. Now I've got a couple other movies. Matrix, Fight Club. But I can't think of how to actually make these retro. I'm going to Fight Club. It could be a message, remember. There is no such thing. The Fight Club. The Matrix. That's a little bit harder. So what other movies do they have? Fargo, Rosemary's Baby, Chinatown, nothing that really appeals to me. <sighs> Apocalypse Now, Sting. Yeah, the problem with other people's lists, they're not mine. Empire Strikes Back, Princess Bride, Royal Tenenbaums, no, all that jazz, no. Being there, Clockwork Orange. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change. Oh, Blade Runner, 1982. I used to love Daryl Hannah in that movie. Seeing her walk around, run around topless and that. That was awesome. Um, the Goonies, Brazil, Deer Hunter. No, 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 no. Hustler. Love Actually, Close Encounters, Persona, Schindler's List. Great movie, but not what I'm looking for. So, top movies of 1980s. Did I just put toy? By the way, I've been using Bing lately. Um, when it comes down to filtering of a explicit, or what they consider explicit material, um, Google's gotten an attitude with me, and... Uh, Bing shows me pretty much everything I'm, or most of the things I'm looking for. It's a lot better. We'll put it this way. So Bing has has gone a long way in improving. Google, I think, has gotten a little bit lazy. Okay, so we got Back to the Future. I'm looking at nineteen top movies of the nineteen eighties. Movies that are influential for me. You know what? Star Trek. <sighs> that was influential just because of the whole premise of it. V'ger. I may be unaltered for that one. So some show some movies in their pristine state, and that's Voyager. Star Trek is probably one of them. The original Star Trek, the one that came out in 1980. So that's five. So we need two more. Actor Future, Beetlejuice, such an awesome movie. 
Caddyshack Overborn. I used to love that movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Friday the 13th. So I'm looking for a movie where I actually want to see the female lead engaged in hardcore sex. <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a maybe. Phoebe Cates, man. I had the hots for... Oh. Oh. Weird science. There we go. That's a definite yes. Weird science. That is just... And this is the whole thing. Since this movie is crowd or the since this world is crafted after my likes and dislikes, or after mainly after my likes and everything, weird science is man. Okay, um, I'm not gonna ask what male, but I know this male here had the fucking hots for what's her name. Kelly LeBrock, man. I used to love her. But the idea of actually having a woman you can command like that, and she would do basically anything you asked her to. And she had supernatural powers, too. <laughs> that would have been a fucking dream. I would have loved to have been able to have done that. Watch that movie, and it's just like, especially somebody as gorgeous as her. And she could also appear to be anybody else that, that you wanted her to be, too. So, hey, see Christina Logan in that movie? Just appear to be her for a little bit and everything. And, um, you know what? Let's go do this together. Pfft, that would be... I wish. So, weird science is a definite yes, and I get to create a weird science movie poster featuring Kelly LeBrock butt-ass naked. Yeah, that's going to be an easy... Well, I shouldn't say it's going to be easy to do. It's going to test out my skills for sure. Right now, the movie uh, poster has um, Kelly LeBrock center, front and center with uh, Wyatt and uh, whatever his name is. I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, and she's looking in on him. But if I actually have them in front of her being completely naked. Now, that, that changes the whole game and everything. I mean, it's the same exact movie poster, so that's what I'm trying to show, is the development and deviation of this alternate reality um, from ours, and it, the, the resulting variations that it started causing in media. So... You know, subtle variations at first, you know, such as Sylvester Stallone, um, you know, instead of an Arnold Schwarzenegger, so casting variations and differences in between the realities. That would be something subtle. Or Kelly LeBrock appearing on a movie poster, you know, um, a weird science movie poster. Same exact movie poster. I've got to work on my photoshopping skills and everything and, uh, you know, make, um, make that movie poster change look pretty authentic and real. So, I've been looking looking for reason to work on boobs and, you know, boobs and pussy and everything when it comes down to realism anyway. So, this is, this is something that's right up that, uh, right up that, um, that attempted avenue. So, that's, 
what year is that? So we got three, four, five. What year did Terminator come out? What year did Terminator 3 come out? 2003. That's a little bit later than I wanted, but it's also perfect. That means I need a 1990s movie in order to keep on showing the history. <laughs> I, uh, I had a friend send me an image of a guy that says, uh, first he sends it, this is on Facebook, and it says, touch the clock. And the clock is, you know, when you uh, click on it, all of a sudden it shows a guy, and he's got his, basically he's got a long nine-inch dick, and he's right in, standing right in front of a girl, and he lets go of it, and it slaps her in the face. <laughs> She's clearly not expecting it, and uh, it's not mean, but it's totally funny. So I sent it to my brother and a couple other people, and I've gotten some positive responses from it. I had a friend send it to me to begin with. So, I need a 1990s era movie to show the progression in, because if if we've got six Terminators in 2003, how did this deviation continue? in the 1990s. So it started subtly enough from a little tangent point in the 1970s that ballooned with the selection of different actors and actresses. And then we had a major deviation or a minor deviation in the lack of clothes when it came down to Kelly LeBrock and Weird Science on the, on the front movie poster which are left to believe that there's a little bit more that happens in this movie in that reality. But we have to show that it becomes a lot more sexual in the 1990s. So we go to The Matrix. It's probably one of the dominant ones to think about. But how can I do The Matrix, though? I mean, Matrix is a critical one. And it's very important to me, but I don't know if it's what I'm looking for. Let's see if there's anything else. So I see Eyes Wide Shut. Great movie about swingers and that kind of shit, but I want to show something that deviated from my reality. and show it on the movie poster. Not show the same thing. Let me see if Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut movie poster. Naked movie poster. Let's see if they have some good naked, naked ones. They do. I mean, that's one possibility, but I want to. I want a movie I can deviate. So no deviation from my reality is necessary. The reason why I'm looking for a deviation is I'm trying to make sure that there's a well understood tangent point, and 
a deviation away from my reality, which persisted all up until the point of the creation of Terminator uh, 3, where she's a sex robot that's sent back instead. So that's really important. If Eyes Wide Shut doesn't, uh, doesn't actually show that bridge, I've got no consistency to that. So top movie of the 1990s. League of Thrones. Ooh. The Fifth Element. Easily one of my favorite movies. And to see Mila Jojovich. Maybe. So I'm going to put down this as a maybe. Maybe. Fifth element to seem naked throughout instead of instead of her little outfit. Mel Jojovich is cute, but I uh, I don't know if that uh, is doable. It's probably the best idea I've had so far. Well, it's the only idea I've had so far. 90s best look. So I'm looking through 1990s on a couple different sites here. IMDb being the last. <sighs> Sorry, I'm using this to think out loud today. But I guess you'll see my thinking processes. Um, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, nope. I'm looking for one where I really want to see a girl naked. Leon the Professional. Oh, that was just cruel and unusual punishment watching Nellie Portman young in that one. I mean, I can definitely show a deviation reality by having her be naked in that one, but I'm not going to take it that far. Because she's too young in that one, that's why. Men in Black. <laughs> There's a uh, a porn version of uh, Men in Black where uh, Will Smith and Linda Florentino are doing it in the uh, in the morgue, and it it actually is kind of hot because the girl does look kind of like her, and it's just like wow. So that that can actually be a another distinctive possibility. Maybe. Men in Black porn version, because he is—he's not a good look-alike. But if you just show him doing her, she is a great look-alike. So that could be a pretty decent one. Uh, always got Pretty Woman. Wasn't, but that's not late enough. I'm looking for later 1990s. I always was attracted to Cameron Diaz. There's something about Mary. It's just the jizz on her face and everything. Hilarious moment. Maybe that's what I can do. Something absolutely innocuous. She comes across as a goody two-shoes, but what if in this alternate reality she isn't? Cameron. 
50 is naked on cover. Something you would just completely not really think that you would say. Somehow I just made my... There we go. Um, that's actually a wonderful, wonderful idea. It's not something you would expect. I'm not leveraging new material. It gives me another chance to look on work on those skills. Let's do it. It gives it a chance to show a very distinctively different personality with her as well. I don't know if I told the story before, but um, I was up in Vegas celebrating New Year's with my friend Bill Stokes and quite a few other people, and uh, I had actually been dry. I had um, been trying to uh, diminish my drinking and everything. I can't remember what year it was. It was way back. And at this point, you know, I was just, um, I think I was... You know, just basically saying, okay, Bill, you drink all you want to. And I don't think I was wholly dry. I think I was just limiting my drinks because I was driving. I had volunteered to drive for this New Year's Eve and everything. So we went to a place, um, to Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. And that's where we ended up spending uh, New Year's. Well, Bill normally doesn't get get quite drunk and everything, and this time he was fucking out of control. Not just out of control, but fucking out of control. And I'm with my wife, Lisa, and we've got another friend over there, too. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. He's one of Bill's, Bill's friends. And uh, as we're rocking through the crowd and everything, Bill's getting drunker and drunker, and he's starting to bounce. Now, Bill is a high-energy type of dude anyways, and he's... You know, he's a smaller guy. I mean, not real small. He's like five foot eleven, hundred and eighty 180 pounds and everything. Compared to me, I mean, I'm six foot two, and my weight wavers between 220 and 250. And um, my uh, my friend, um, I had a friend that was there, Joe Shea. And uh, Joe used to talk about how he used to bounce and um, also, you know, act as a bodyguard and everything. Well, Joe... Um, Joe had actually mentioned early on that uh, Bill was bouncing into people and he was going to get himself in a fight and everything. So me and Joe started taking turns being Bill's bodyguard. And, and at this point, uh, Bill was single. He was brand new and freshly single and everything. So we decided to pretend to put on an act that Bill was a famous guy and everything. We agreed on this, you know, just to actually help Bill out, uh, hopefully get him laid and everything that evening. Um, we agreed that uh, we would um, we would pretend to be his bodyguard and everything, you know. So if anybody asked who we were, you know, it's just like, yeah, we're his bodyguard. Well, what's he do? Ask him, you know. And uh, he, needless to say, he was so fucking drunk he couldn't even talk of what he was doing or anything like that. So that's that's how the night, you know, by nine o'clock we were starting this up already, and Bill was just giddy as fuck and everything, talking about all this stuff. So. From there, um, as he's bouncing around, all of a sudden, about 10 o'clock, he ends up uh, running into um, just 
running into this girl, knocks knocks her um, into the bar a little bit. She's still she's resting against the bar, and uh, her drink was spilling all over the counter. And I'm just like, oh fuck, you know. I'm just like, I'm sorry about to, about my friend here. And she looked at me, and all of a sudden, you know, he looked at her, and he goes, "You're Cameron Diaz." And he looks, she looks at me, and she goes, "No, I'm Gwyneth Paltrow." No, I'm sorry, it was just the opposite. I said, she said, he said, "You're Gwyneth Paltrow," and she goes, "No, I'm Cameron Diaz." He goes, "No, you're Gwyneth Paltrow," and he insisted, "No, you're Gwyneth Paltrow." You know, I looked at her, I said. I know you're Cameron Diaz, you know, and this is pretty much at the height of her fame. So, you know, at this point he goes, nope, you're Gwyneth Paltrow, and he bounces away. So I'm just, I'm cracking up at him, I'm just like, I'm sorry about my friend. And this is about the point where I stopped getting starstruck, and I really started just looking at these people more as just individuals that are doing a job and everything, not that much different than me. And um, at that point, all of a sudden, you know, she looks at me, and, you know, and I, I say, look, I'm sorry about my friend, can I get you, can I replenish your drink? And she goes, no, that's okay, I got it. I said, no, seriously, I, I can get this for you, no problem. You know, I said, oh, by the way, I know you're Cameron Diaz. She goes, I know, I know. She goes, no, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And uh, at that point, I'm just like, well, it's a pleasure meeting. I'm, I've got to go help out and make sure my friend doesn't get himself in a fight. And she laughed, and at that point, uh, I ended up shaking her hand and walking away and everything. Well, for me, it was one of those moments that, you know, I, I like... I like meeting people like that, you know, just in the real world and everything. You know, like um, my head was at Freddy Krueger, a.k.a. Robert uh, England, you know, that I ran into over at Starbucks and everything. And it's just like, you know, I appreciate the entertainment that these people have done. Absolutely appreciate the entertainment and the image and the personality and the individuality that they represent. In a lot of cases, I know that these actors do nothing but act like themselves. And they get paid for it in a lot of cases, and they're publicized for for what they do and everything. Sometimes they act like other people, and they and they you know look at and regard their actions and their acting as a profession or everything that you know their job and it depends on what the act who the actor is and everything. You know, you got somebody like Robert De Niro who he just likes being himself on the screen. You know, um, you got somebody like, um, was it uh, Christopher Nolan? Where <laughs> to some degree it feels like, or yeah. Is he the one? Not Christopher Nolan. Um, Batman with Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of uh, Christian Bale. He likes driving himself insane, it, it seems like, you know, by basically taking on the character. Heath Ledger does, too. You know, and uh, this is just a different form of acting and everything. So for me, you know, when I've seen this and everything, the, you know, when I saw her in person, I'm just like going, hmm. I mean, just kind of a regular person and everything. So when I saw this, I guess I've, to some degree, I've always fantasized about being with uh, Cameron Diaz. She's such a goofy, you know, playful, you know, woman. What if, in combination, there was this side to her that was never shown to the screen. Or what if there's an alternate reality version of her that's not a goody two-shoes and she actually is kind of a sexual freak, you know, and loves doing some of the things that uh, that I myself would be daring a woman to do, to, to do and she'd be the, one, you know, the type of person that would actually gladly do it. 
This movie actually makes more sense to me than any of the ones I've come across so far for 1990s, you know, just because of that. So, I'm looking through the other ones, Clues, it doesn't, uh, doesn't have the same appeal. You know, and here's what I think. Let's say, in theory, you're put in this alternate reality. You're there. You see it. You, you all of a sudden see this list of movies, it's like, holy shit. You know, you see something about Mary, but Mary is naked. Cameron Diaz, wait a second. She's so, you know, so, what's the best word for it? Goody two-shoes. I mean, and all of a sudden to see her, you know, it, it just, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. You got the Titanic, which will probably have a larger scale appeal, but I'm just not a Kate Winslet fan. You know, and she was already naked in that movie as it was. So it's just not that much of a surprise. Cameron Diaz has never shown jack shit in her reality. That's why it's so fucking appealing. Turner to Jurassic Park, The Matrix. Um, I mean, I just don't find what's her name that that appealing. You know, she's just got this monotonic um, from The Matrix, the uh, lead actress. She's just got this monotonic. I'm. I mean, you know, she's an interesting lady, you know, but not somebody I'd personally want to be with. Fugitive to Fight Club. I'm just looking at deviations that you just would never see in our reality, and this is actually one of the more fun ones. I think that's one of my stick. Uh, Groundhog Day was another interesting one with Andy McDowell, and Andy McDowell is found attractive too. But that doesn't have the whole same sense. I mean, there's something about Mary. It was, don't get me wrong, it, it was an okay movie. Um, I won't go so far to say it's great. But I'll say it was entertaining. But because of the premise and the idea, I like it. The Truman Show is another one. That was awesome. show that <sighs> so now I'm going through a fourth list this one's on ranker.com I just the IMDB one sucked now total recall there's another interesting one Tim but I'm gonna stray away from Arnold Schwarzenegger um, ties <laughs> Back to the Future 3. What if I wrote a different version of the future for Back to the Future 3? Eh. Because I'm just doing a movie poster, not the entire movie. Just gotta keep that in mind. I never saw that. Jetson's the movie. Why am I tired tonight? Oh, it's 11.15. Wow. Lionheart, Internal Affairs, Captain America.
What? Huh. Almost an angel. Bad influence. Graffiti bridge. Yeah, I'm not saying anything there either. So, what's the first list? Beetlejuice. It's 19... 88. Iron Science is such an awesome, awesome pick. I think I'm on the right track with the... Something about Mary. That's gonna create... So what I'm, th what I'm mentally doing right now is I'm basically creating a line. A historical line. So... It's basically... A tangent point is an inflection. It's, um, it's a gate in between two points in, in space. And uh, let's say those two points in space, at least in, in this sense of the word, is also a point in space and time, where basically two realities came and they inflected off of each other. One being a more sexually oriented reality, the other one being a more you know, violent-oriented reality. Well, the culmination of that violence ultimately led to 9-11 and, you know, the prolonged Iraq War, you know, and the series of events that have, you know, continued with that, you know, to the point that we're actually at right now. You know, that's one, one reality that was created. But this tangent point, you know, in the 1960s and 1970s, you know, constant deviation, that deviation ended up resulting in this alternate reality. And that alternate reality created a starkly, a subtly different timeline at first. But then it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. You know, so it was like a little bubble in time. You know, that bubble grew, and all of a sudden it grew and grew and grew and grew, up until the point that it's like, holy shit, you know, it's a completely different world. Well, that's actually what I'm trying to do, is just basically trace the lines of this bubble, you know, that created this alternate reality, um, and start putting in evidence of these lines you know, and starting with movie theaters and that kind of stuff. You know, that's the most obvious place to start at. You know, it's just actually say, okay, you know, here's one thing that will be consistent with this timeline, you know, um, and just basically mentally start understanding that uh, sexually it's going to be in a certain place in the 1970s. 1980s, it's still going to be a little bit violent, trying to cure some of the violent type stuff and everything, but the 1980s and 1990s is where all of a sudden, basically, people started embracing, you know, lack of clothes in a general sense. You know, this led to one of the first people, something about Mary, Cameron Diaz, somebody everybody thought was a goody-two-shoes, deciding that she was going to act completely naked in her movie or something like that. You know, to the point of uh, holy sexual you know, Terminator 2 reality, or Terminator 3 reality, where Christiana Loken isn't just, you know, naked, but she's also a sex robot sent back in time and everything. Now, again, I don't want to see this as a cheesy-ass porn. I want to see this as a high-quality, you know, movie, where literally I'm going to, you know, watch this just as fiercely enjoy it as I would the Terminators of my world where it's just as engaging you know but it clearly has a sexual element to it how is it you include the sex 
an visceral quality of a movie, you know, that a Hollywood production might have, you know, and how did it get there to begin with? Well, first off, you have a, you know, a nudist uh, character and everything, and something about Mary, where maybe that's the reason that uh, people acted weird around her. You know, um, what the story is on, on that naked something about Mary, you know, doesn't matter. You know, the weird science, it's going to be a complete deviation from, you know, from that. You know, Kelly LeBrock and everything be a model, you know, but that compared, compared to a, a, a name, a, an A-list actress choosing to do it. I mean, Kelly LeBrock certainly wasn't an A-list actress when she did it, but Cameron Diaz, at the height she changed Hollywood, you know, by doing what she did in this alternate reality. So that's actually what I'm trying to build on mentally is basically say, okay, I've got this deviation reality. Um, so by the time 2003 comes out, you know, we see the complete sexualization in a mainstream way of media. And that's at that point, it becomes the norm for the millennials. So, that's actually where I'm going with it. Oh, in any case, um, yeah, I'm going to stick to there's something about Mary. That's just, that's perfect for the history. You know, so see, from here, as I'm going through and making my movie posters and the, the nude ones and putting those in place and everything, and I'm, I'm going to actually stay up until I get five more of those done tonight. Hopefully no more than 40 minutes. I've do, been doing it pretty fast. Um... Hopefully by the time I get that done and everything, you know, the, the whole goal is, as I'm going through the city, coming up with ideas for making revisions, um, I could take into consideration the checkbox, and I can date things from a period perspective. I don't know what I'm going to be doing yet for creating this deviant timeline. I don't know how the world's going to look yet. Flat out don't know. You know, because I'm not understanding the implications mentally and rationally about what this deviation would do to historical timeline. As I sleep, as I ponder this, as the ideas cement in my head and everything, I come up with new ideas, you know, and I'll come up with new ones that are basically sit there and say, okay, well, you know, here's one potential deviation. You know, here's something else we can do. You know, and I'll start seeing those deviations, you know, and then I'll start seeing seeing new ideas for this come up as I'm going. So, you know, that's kind of the idea and the concept is just basically come up with the ideas and as I'm going through making modifications to the city and everything, whether it's to the models or to the billboards or to the media, you know, um, I'm going to come up with historical things that actually substantiate this deviation, you know, provide further evidence that this deviation is real. So what I'm trying hard to avoid is the mistake that GTA made by creating this, this snapshot of a world without having historical evidence to it. You know, um, I can't say it's a mistake, it's, it's a game. It's intended to be a game. Well, I can take it and I can actually draw some lines and, and just basically point, you know, put my finger down. It's like putting my finger down on an artery. You know, um, and that artery is basically the flow of time from the point of 1973 to 1974. I'm putting my finger down there, and I'm saying, okay, at this point forward, this is a deviational reality. 
Now I got mine that I'm in, and we got this other one. Now this other one, you know, that flow, what I'm doing is I'm creating a fork in a river. And that fork is going to have some different events that are going to happen. Different landmarks, different buildings, different um, backdated histories for some things. You know, because that substantiation is going to occur before 1973 to suggest that this was always happening. Now, this is where it's what, what I've found to be really important. That, was, that people believe, in a general sense, that changes occur in society over very long periods of time. And that's not necessarily the truth. The truth is closer to the fact that somebody like me discovers how to make changes quicker. You know, and at that point, what we do is we start understanding. You know, typically those people are actually people in power, people with money. You know, people with the capability to be able to create new media and backdate it, you know, and to create new, um, you know, different ideas and backdate it and actually proliferate it throughout the world, you know, so that evidence is there just in case somebody does dig into it and everything. Yeah, but that's, that's one way of changing reality. Another way is, it's basically saying, hey, you know, um, I can create this alternate reality, and I can also start backdating some other things, you know, to show that society had been going in this direction for a much longer period of time. And that gives me the capability from a creative perspective and everything to create new media, perhaps back to the 1920s, 1930s, or maybe even before then, to, to show that this has been happening for quite a while. It's kind of fun that way. So, in any case, it also gives me a place to visit. Um, with all that said, there's also a couple things. Uh, yeah, I finished a couple more last night. I'm going to cut this podcast short. I've been talking for a little bit anyways. But um, I've had some, uh, some ideas on things I would like to see in new versions of games like this or worlds like this. So playing Watch Dogs 2 a lot lately the last couple of days. Um, loving it. Fucking loving it. Ubisoft and the guys that put this together, or guy, whatever. Um, whoever put this together, you've done a fantastic, fabulous job. I love you. You're awesome. I want to give you a big, huge man hug. Um, or if you're a hot-looking chick or something like that, I want to do you. Um, but regardless, you've done a phenomenal job. Thank you. Now... Things I would actually like to like to see in both of these worlds is the persistent ability to be able to go into all the buildings I can I can see. So anything in anywhere, I love the idea of being able to touch it, feel it, you know, manipulate it, and just get into it and do whatever I want to when I'm when I'm there. Um, that's actually one of the key issues that I have with uh, with with these games is I can't walk up to any building and uh, try to go into it, you know, so if it's a place that actually looks like it's open and everything, I should be able to walk into it. You know, I, I certainly can here in the real world, and yes, I absolutely have tried that before. 
in all the cities that I've been to. And it's just like, I'll walk around aimlessly trying to find a place that I haven't seen before, and I'll just walk in, just just because, because I can. I want the same thing to be true of my digital worlds, too. You know, when I get into a world or something like that, I, I want to be able to walk into Cluck and Bell, you know, and, you know, have simulated chicken and that kind of shit. Maybe not necessarily go that far, but, you know, the ability to be able to walk into these places and literally interact with anything that I want to, you know, take that takes it a step further, clearly. But the ability to be able to walk into places. Now, Watch Dogs 2 does a pretty good job about having coffee shops and um, bars and that kind of stuff that you can walk walk into, but apartment buildings and that kind of stuff, you know, a lot of that shit you just can't walk into. And that for me is really kind of boring. It's kind of dull. It's It takes away from the immersiveness and everything of these places. So, anyways, that's one thing I do want to say. Even if it's procedurally generated, based on dimensions of the building and everything, um, that's fine, you know? And that's a lazy, um, a lazy but consistently good way out, you know, because it allows you as a developer the capability to alter that procedural gener generation mechanism at a later time to add in new elements and particularly, you know, flex your muscle as a programmer and everything to be able to, you know, put something new. So let's say every building has you know, has a procedural generally gener generated layout, you know, so whether or not it's a, um, it's a, if it's an office, you know, I mean, you can do cube space and everything, maybe have different uh, basic types of offices and everything and have it all be procedurally generated, maybe have a base hierarchy, you know, at, uh, that you've established and everything for, you know, for some buildings and everything, you know, and at that point, it's just like, hey, here's the president's office, here's the CEO, or if it's a flat organization, you know, you could have, what I'm saying is three different models of procedural generation for each office type building, and then, boom, put that forth for anything, and once you walk into a building at that point, you see the procedural generation, and here's the key, making it seated so it becomes a persistent, a persistent procedural generation. You know, so let's say you seed it, and uh, you seed it on a one-time-only basis and everything. Um, but let's say you do that random seed and everything, and it's going to be the same for everybody. So if you take a seed of 433, you know, um, 433 will generate it in this specific way. You know, so it's not like a time-related random seed. It's just a random seed that will let you generate this. And maybe you increment it by one for every one that you're doing. I don't know. And you can do the same thing with apartment buildings, too. Um, you know, just basically take the same apartment generation scheme and put that in place. Now, Watch Dogs 2 has done a phenomenal job with the exteriors for the San Francisco houses and that kind of stuff. But with the interiors, it's a little bit, you know, um, I've seen some interiors, but for the most part, they don't let you go in the interiors. Now, it would be cool to be able to go in these interiors. So, you've got dimensions on a place, so come up with a crafty procedural mechanism, you know, for being able to develop the interiors for these places. Come up with some basic color schemes. I mean, this doesn't take that much in logical and rational resources in order to be able to figure something out like this, in my opinion. So, developers, Ubisoft and Bethesda and Rockstar and all that kind of shit and everything, quit making buildings that you can't walk into, unless that's a part of the landscape. You know, if it's a for-rent building that's all boarded up and that kind of shit, 
Well, I mean, that's understandable, you know, but let's say you get to the point of basically making it so you have particles working and you've got the capability to be able to tear off those boards. Well, do I get on, get in and fall through the terrain? Well, that's no fucking fun, you know? So quit allowing me to exploit glitch or quit letting me see glitches in the terrain and all that kind of stuff and let me get into these places. That's all I'm saying. So... And procedural generate, and let that procedural generation persist. That's all I'm saying. That can that can actually add to the immersiveness for these environments so much just by being able to walk into buildings, even if you're seeing the same thing, different color schemes and that kind of stuff, and maybe different people and that kind of stuff, all saying the same shit. That's okay. It's kind of like what real life is, anyways. Um, now another thing. Um, speaking of random. Um, random events like the real world. So, but here's the thing. Um, I'm going to be trying to work on this with uh, GTA and mods I'm, I'm making with GTA. You know, but uh, when it comes down to it, the thing I would love to see, there's a mod out there for GTA that actually adds some random events. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting what it does, but it tends to add ghetto elements to it. So it's consistent, absolutely consistent with the GTA world. Well, the way I look at it is, if you could allow and, and, and empower modders like me, you know, and allow the cultural deviation, you know, of, of a location that you've created and everything to basically deviate it how we want to and add random events that are based on that culture. You know, in the culture, you know, this is maybe something that could be hard to figure out. I don't know where I'm going with that, you know, but I'm adding all these nudes and all this stuff and hardcore sex and that kind of stuff going on all around. Well, what if, you know, all of a sudden I start seeing people, you know, fuck right there in public and everything, you know, on a regular basis? You know, what if I start seeing, you know, the models start disrobing themselves and everything? Um, I don't know you know, right there in public and everything. Uh, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is allow for the expansion of random events and perhaps create a few more of them yourself. The random events that happen, you know, I mean, birds flying is one, one wonderful thing, you know, but um, I'm talking about people events. I'm not talking about natural events. Natural events are phenomenal, you know, in both these worlds. You've done a fantastic fucking job for both of them. Um, and, and Watch Dogs 2 does step it up a little bit with some of the, um, some of the things I've seen, but only, only mildly so. What I would like to see is just a little bit more with the people. So, in any case, um, that's one idea where what it, what exactly that would be and how it would look without it being fucking annoying and I like to think about it happening in the real world you know the ghetto nasty shit that I saw over at Starbucks it's just like that's to the point of being fucking annoying and I don't want to see it you know but are there other things that we can do you know can it be dynamically adjusted and what would be the stimulus to actually you know to dynamically adjust that I don't know you know but I like the idea of being able to change that. Um, now, here's something that's extremely important to me, to anybody developing games and everything. The ability to be able to take off all your clothes and have sex. I do think it's important that you create models that are anatomically correct of both men and, and women to 
because we know what the, the male and female look like when they're unclothed in a general sense. Now, when I'm talking about anatomical correctness and everything, I'm not saying disallow deviations in that. And, and you've done a great job on creating models that can be adjusted and everything um, already. But what I'm saying is create a model of the female and the male form and everything that's disrobed showing the interconnections of sexuality and that kind of stuff as well leveraging that as well I mean it's a whole concept of Adam and Eve right a model that's anatomically correct and at that point allow society the deviation from there and society in this case is modders we can modern any way we want to and everything, but it comes down to simple imagination, right? What is it we want to do? Do we want to create a two-inch song, or do we want to create a 15-inch a one? My God, we've seen it, you know, but... Um, so that's one request I would have. Another one is to be able to get regular jobs. Now, this is actually... i I got to give watchdogs kudos on this. I could Uber. Um, and I can do some similar things in, in GTA, such as drive a paramedic um, thing. I can, you know, do a couple things like that. But what I'm saying is, take your time on these games and oh, put in some more things where I can actually play a part in this world, you know, and do some things. Not just the grunt jobs. I like to think about this being in my real world, too. I don't want a grunt job. I like the idea of being able to... go be president or CEO of a company. CIO, maybe. There's some different tools and ideas created you know, within these worlds. I don't know what you're going to come up with, but I like the idea of, of having a robust mechanics within these worlds. So let's say I do want to visit one for a prolonged period of time when I've got the capability to be able to go there in physical form. I don't mind the idea of taking jobs, but I don't... I don't want it to just be shit jobs. I like the idea of affecting and influencing the world. Or at least seeing it from different vantage points. I mean, like right now, I had just gotten a taste, you know, of the upper class and some of the lifestyle that was associated with that in, my, in this world. And now it's so far from reach, it's ridiculous. I like the idea of being able to go to these other worlds and maybe experiencing that. Even if I can't experience it here, going to these other worlds and satiating that, that thirst, that desire in other worlds. If this world's going to disallow it for some reason, just be able to open up the door to, do, to achieve this in other worlds. What's it like to be CIO of a company? What's it like to own a yacht? and customize that yacht. What's it like to um, have a Learjet? 
and fly around the world. What's it like to um, build my own airlines? And I'm talking about all within the same structure, within the same same world. I don't know how this would look and everything within a, a game like GTA that's been expanded. You know, that's kind of the reason I'm working on it, like I am. And Watch Dogs, I'm just playing for the ideas. I mean, it's a wonderfully well-thought-out game from a hacker's perspective and everything. So, anyways, um... Now, in Watch Dogs, the, there's a couple things that I w wish I could see in this, is to hack people and do things for them, not just against them. And it briefly touched upon this, you know, when it, uh, when it came down to the ATM hack hacks that were allowed. I can actually donate money to their accounts. I can um, do things for them and that kind of stuff and everything through the ATM. I love the idea of being able to not just hack people, you know, to vibrate them or to um, take money or listen to eavesdrops on their, on their conversation, but, you know, let's say I want to hack them and do other things. I mean, one, one hack I've thought about in the real world is, you know, to give a friend all green lights on the way to work, you know, just based on their GPS position, you know, and, uh, and changing lights based on that. Maybe donating money to them. You know, um, that, you know, without their awareness and everything. You know, and doing it through an ATM hack is actually kind of funny. Hey, thank you for coming here. You know, oh, you know, you have won this $200. Well, it all comes off innocuously. It's not just some random, you know, $200 bonus to their account and everything. Instead, the ATM has told them about this. It's fucking awesome. I wish I could actually do this you know, on a persistent basis and everything, do these kind of hacks in the game on a regular basis. Instead, I can blow shit up. You know, instead, I can, you know, set off alarms and turn off alarm systems and everything. But I can't hack people and just wait around just to hear their responses and everything in Watch Dogs. That would be so cool if I can. And similarly, to hack tra traffic cams and change lights at will to anything I want to. So let's say I change the traffic lights on one intersection to all red. You know, let's say I change them to all green. Do they self-manage? Do police come there? You know, what happens? So the ability to be able to hack more things would actually be cool, and I have no doubt that's going to come in Watch Dogs 3 or something like that, because it's Watch Dogs 2 will be highly popular with my attention to it. You know, but that's actually all I'm looking for. Um... I think I'm going to end it there, but, um, yeah, I'm still stuck on all that shit and everything, but, uh, next time I'm, I started putting together of, it's the little things, uh, some, some of the things businesses have done in my world to bump up the experience from a two or three star adventure and how they differentiate themselves and make themselves a four or five star, you know, whether or not it's restaurants or businesses or anything like that. What, what differentiates a, a good experience from a great experience. So, anyways, that's going to be next time, and I've put a reminder on myself to make sure I talk about that. So, have, have a good one, and thank you for...